Okay. Yalla, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barak ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta tajlul hazna idha shi'la sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatika ya rabbil kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You know, I just waited there for everybody to say wa alaikum salam and I just realized that there's nobody here. <laughs> right, what's happening folks? So obviously, yeah, social distancing and physical distancing and all that kind of a class, yeah. So it's got to be done, isn't it? So I've had to ditch the team. And it's not like they were improving the experience in any way, was it? Let's be, let's be honest. You know what I mean? So... Um, I thought I'm going to do it myself, so uh, uh, hopefully it's okay. Obviously, there's going to be some negatives to that. There's going to be some negatives. Like no one saying, Walaikum Salaam. But there's going to be some positives, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be... So... Got my dinner and got my drinks. And as long as you said while you can slam to the computer screen, that's the only thing that matters. And I think it's about time that the online folks got a bit of love as well. I like that too. You know what I mean? So good to see you, Zaid. My boy Suji. Junaid, which Junaid is that? We have many Junaids. Speak to me, Junaid. You know what's difficult to work out? Is that how live are we? Like, um, Dr. Saab, Salman, why are you causing problems for you, huh? Ajman was a sweets man. We've dumped the diet now, innit? I don't know, man. I don't know. Very live. So. Yeah, it's pretty live. Yeah, because my guy came back with a rock. And that was it. I didn't see it, actually. That's why. Yeah. Which Burhan is that? Is that Maga Burhan? Swansea Burhan. Oh, here we go. Yes, Marina's in the house. We've got to start behaving now. This is why I like Marina. You know, when Marina comes, I automatically feel I've got to start behaving. Danielle, what's happening to Miami uh, Chicken? Yara? What's the latest on that? Yeah, you know what it is, yeah? This is normal. This is the Shaz level of... Uh, the Shazad level of... Uh, what's it called? Ice, to be honest. Yeah. last few days actually the last few times that we've done it we've basically been using um or she's just been chilling really he's been enjoying himself so i said all right drinking and this and that we were we were maintaining physical distancing and social distancing and all that but obviously you know setting up lights and this and that whatever 
I taught them a lesson, bro. I taught Al-Maghrib people a lesson. Don't mess about. And I'm in, I'm in my, my own room. And I'm in my own office here. Yeah, and I'm in control. Then don't expect anything. So listen, the danger, the danger, okay, is correct. That's correct. There's going to be a lot of long-distance Shazad burns, okay? There uh, on Shazad. Did you, see, did you see my little dig on him? Did you see my little dig on him yeah, on the post of making dua for all the frontline healthcare stuff? Yes, bro. Dentist. Come on. Don't get me, don't get me started, man. What have dentists done? Unbelievably lazy people in this, in, this, uh, in this crisis. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. How they can be said in the same breath as pharmacists. Pharmacists, like the world's most pointless people on the planet. But to be said in the same breath as let alone to be speaking about them on the level of care homes and dentists and, um, uh, you know, all that kind of thing. That's a joke, isn't it? Samid, is that you? I'm Samid from Switzerland. Dina from Jordan. Is that, is that, you know what it is? We deserve to do this, you know that. To actually just show some love to our online students, man. We, we, all this time giving it all the... I hate that Facebook Live nonsense, man. It starts going a bit out of control and all the public and just asking questions. We forgot our original Asal Bande, man. Our original people. So, anyway... I'm not back in uh, Wales for ages, you know. But let's find out whether our people are here, first of all. Yes, Rayman. That is absolutely Rayhan. 100%. Proper students are here, man. Proper students. Yeah, well, like, to be honest, optometrists. What are they doing? What are the optometrists doing? I mean, you know. Do you know what I mean? Right, okay. I know that Marina's having kittens right now, okay? She's literally like, you know. Like, what's going on? So, Samid, it's good to have you, bro. And to have Baji there as well. Well done. Audio is slightly crackling. You see, this is the point. Shazad, then only, his only input is to say to me that the... Yeah. Um, you know. The... Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> always, the, optometrist, the optometrist didn't see that one coming. See, that's, what, that's the good thing about having the online uh, class back again. Bit of banter, this, that, whatever. But can you imagine... Listening to this as the audio, the audio podcast, they must be listening to this now thinking, what the fish is this Dars? What a complete waste of time. And uh, Marina's there, you know, she's getting spare. Like, you know, I'm so busy and I'm sitting here and I've got work to do. And uh, this guy's just chatting. But I'll be honest with you. Yeah. There's got to be associated benefits. If we're going to do this kind of thing, there's got to be associated benefits. And that's what I'm going to do. Right. Listen. So uh, let's do a bit of study, yeah? Because otherwise, it's not good, is it? And then Marina's going to get upset. We need Marinas in our life, okay? People have got to stop hating on the Marinas of this world because they're the ones that keep us on the... Um, Rasp, Dad, why do you have to... Why, why, why? Yani... I don't understand with that. Was there any need for that behavior? Like, you know, like, what are you doing? Just tell me that. Go on. Tell me what, yeah. Like, like, see, the problem is that a budgie with that, we can't even cuss budgie with that. You know, we, there's not, there's no class with that budgie with that. But, you I mean, that, 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 that hurt that did. You know what I mean? 
would have thought at least the people on camera would be just, you know, at least relaxing and enjoying themselves. Everybody now taking pot shots. I'm gonna carry I'm gonna carry on before I start getting emotional and upset. Right, okay folks, so Bismillah. Um let's do the class and then let's have a little chat about a few things. That's what I'm thinking. Yep. We'll do the class and uh I think we'll get to Wajibat and uh, then we'll um and uh, what we'll do is we'll have a few chats about a few things. Open it up a bit. Do we get do we involve the big C today or not? Or the big C is still off off topic. We'll make a decision about that. Let's discuss about Ramadan. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's let's uh all right, anyway. So last week we spoke about some of the arkan, the Ruku Sajda, Al Julus Bain Sajdataini, what Tumatnina Filkul. Yeah, so we're talking about Ruku'a. We spoke about sajda, standing back up, then going for sajda, then sit, going back up, then sitting, and then going back down again. Okay. And um, ra, dina, ra. Crazy. And then uh, we're in page, exactly, page 309 of the commentary. And the next rukan that we are doing is what tashahud al-akhir. All right. So... In Arabic, وَالتَّشَهُدُ الْأَخِيرُ From the Arkan وَجِلْسَتُهُ وَالصَّلَاةُ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَالتَّرْتِيبُ وَالتَّسْلِيمُ And I think that's enough, yeah. And if we do that, I'm happy with that for today. We can finish off basically the Arkan, the, the pillars. Is this pose suitable, by the way? Or is it looking too relaxed? We've got to bring some formality back to the class. Do I need to sit up? Just tell me, folks, yeah? Because, you know, I can do it like this. But I don't think it looks very professional. Yeah, I know I've got my big coke and my, my ice and whatever, whatnot. I've got to have my dinner, by the way. You know what I've got to have? I've got eggplant to have. Bismillah. I don't know. I know that I need to know. Are we good? All right, khalas. Khair. So, what tashahud al akhir? The final tashahud. Okay, the final tashahud. This is the tenth uh, 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 pillar or essential from the. Um, okay, Habiba, advice taken. Everybody, I'm going to now just relax and start the class now. That's it. No more messing about, okay? All right. Had my fun. That's it. Right, so the tenth pillar, the tenth essential. Um, is going to be the final tashahud. Obviously, there's two. At-tashahud al-awwal, the first tashahud, and then at-tashahud al-akhir, the final uh, tashahud. Um, and our author in the Hanbali school, okay, he says that the, 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 the second tashahud is the rukan of the prayer. The evidence for that is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, he said that we used to say, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud is speaking, كُنَّ نَقُولْ قَبْلَ أَنْ يُفْرَضَ عَلَيْنَا التَّشَهُدْ السَّلَامُ عَلَى اللَّهِ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ السَّلَامُ عَلَى جِبْرِيلُ وَمِكَائِيلَ السَّلَامُ عَلَى فُلَانُ وَفُلَانُ يعني he said in the hadith which is narrated, let's have a look at the reference, this particular one, which I do not think is the long version of, of the 
I don't think it's the long version. Correct, yeah. This is not the version of Bukhari. Alhamdulillah, my memory is still there. This is the version of Muslim, hadith number 406. That we used to say before the tashahud became obligatory upon us, the as, as a peace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon his servants, the peace be upon uh, Gabriel, upon uh, Mikael, and peace be upon. So basically, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud is actually describing what the wording of tashahud used to be. Okay? And back in the day. And he said, before it became obligatory upon us. Before it was prescribed upon us. So therefore, by, de by definition, that it is now prescribed. Okay? Now, if a Sheikh says, if a person says, the, uh, this has also been narrated in, uh, to what to say, has also been narrated in the first tashahud as well. It's not like it's only refer that it's not like there's different wording in the first tashahud and the second tashahud. We're not talking about Durud Sharif, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. We're just talking about Atahiyatulillahi wa salawat wa tayyibat. So, what would be, uh, you know, uh, that's also a, uh, uh, the, the wording also refers to that part of the tashahud as well. So, the answer to that is that, uh, and the Prophet, he in the tashahud, he used to say these words, but then he left the tashahud out, okay, once, uh, meaning he forgot about it, he then realized it, he then did not go back to it in the prayer, okay, as we covered before. And then he, he fixed it by compensating for it with the prostration for, uh, uh, for compensation, of the, 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 compensa the compensatory sajda for forgetfulness. Um, and as we said before, when you compensate for an act of worship with a prostration for forgetfulness, this is an indication for the uh, wajibat. These are the, this is the kind of thing that's done for the wajibat. Whereas something which is a rukan, it is you can't compensate for it with a sajdisahu. Okay, so therefore, by definition, by definition, isn't the final tashahud the same? That's the argument. Sheikh says, no, because uh, that the basic uh, status uh, quo is that both of the tashahuds are obligatory. Um, the, whereas it is clear that the, uh, the first the, uh, the first tashahud, because the, the Prophet ﷺ actually fixed it via doing a rukan, by, by, uh, 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 during a sajda sahu, because he did this action, that would indicate that it is not a rukan. Whereas that never happened for the final tashahud by the act of the Prophet ﷺ. Therefore, the final tashahud then remains in its original state of it being an essential pillar of the prayer. Um, so that's that. Okay, so that's the difference between the two. The, 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 the first one, which is the one in the middle of the prayer. That the shahud, this is one which is of a lesser level than the second one, which is a pillar. And we'll come to that in next week's lesson about the wajibat. Um, the 11th uh, rukan, the 11th pillar, wajilsatuhu, okay, which is to sit for this uh, uh, last tashahud. Remember, the word tashahud itself, okay, is 
from Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh and it's a verbal statement theoretically you could be standing up theoretically you could be standing up you know maybe some of you might have experienced sometimes if you're mindless mindless in the prayer you might stand up in the salah and you might actually uh instead of reciting fatiha you might start saying atahiyatu lillahi wa salawatu wa tayyibat okay so if you do that if you was uh, technically you've done the tashahud uh, from a statement point of view but you've not actually done the actual tashahud which requires sitting down for it as well and so therefore the 11th rukan in this list of 14 is to sit down for this final uh, uh, for this uh, rukan sheikh says that if a person for example he stood up and he recited the shahud. This would not be permissible because he has left out the actual thing. He must sit down, and uh, um, it must be. And also, uh, it can't be like a sitting which is later. It's got to be a concurrent sitting. The actual sitting is part and parcel of the actual uh, tashahud itself. All right. So that's eleven uh, done. The twelfth then is as-salat al-Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Harris says, fixing the prayer of the sajda for forgetfulness and the argument that the Prophet ﷺ did this when he forgot the shahud in second rak'ah, it is almost impossible to miss out the last one. So why can't the uh, argument apply to both the shahud? What this is a, uh, what you've just described is correct. It's almost impossible to miss out the, the second one, which is a blessing and a clarity of purpose for exactly why the second one is different in ruling to the first, exactly for what you described. It's not a bad point what you said. It's actually a positive point for us to understand the, the, the issue, the legal issue. Okay. So the next rukan then, the twelfth one is وَالصَّلَاةُ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And this occurs in that final tashahud. Okay. وَهَذَا وَالرُّكَنَ الثَّانِي عَشَرْ مِنْ أَرْكَانِ الصَّلَاةِ The evidence for this is أن الصحابة رضي الله عنهم سألوا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم They asked the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Teach us how we can send peace upon you and uh, how can we send peace upon you? How can we send blessings upon you? The salah upon you? And he said, Muhammad. He said, Okay, say, Oh Allah, send peace and blessings upon Muhammad and the family of Muhammad. Hadith narrated by Bukhari, Hadith 6357. And this is a command. The basic principle is that when you command, then this is indicating obligation. Um, and the basic principle, والأصل في الوجوب, and the basic principles in obligation, is أنه فرض إذا ترك بطل العبادة, that it is an essential aspect of the act of worship. If it is left, then it is invalidated. The act of worship is invalidated. هذا قرر الفقهاء رحمهم الله دليل هذه المسألة. Okay. Um, that's the evidence that the scholars yani, indicated that it is an obligation and it is an essential part of the act of ibadah itself. So that's something for us to uh, reflect on. By the way, um, what uh, 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 I think is an important reminder, especially as we have the uh, Jum'ah now, a lot of people are kind of not at work and around and, and so on. Um... If you think about it, okay, a lot more people now are very much aware of the adhkar and the things to say because it's generally, yani, every day is is you're so you're so aware of the day, 
Every day you wake up and you think, you know, how is it not a Sunday afternoon? How is it not a, you know, everything is all weird, right? Um, and then suddenly you actively say to yourself, oh, actually, you know, things have changed. This is a Friday. This is a Thursday. This is a whatever. And people are more aware now of exactly, um, you know, just not being mindless now. I just found a lot more people focused on adhkar, asking questions about adhkar. And from the best of the adhkar is the Salawat Ibrahimiyya, okay, or Durud Sharif. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ala Muhammad. And I think that it's important for us to increase on this uh, generally. I think it's important for us on the Friday to spend the entire day saying that as much as possible. But I also want to say that um, there are a number of scholars, a number of scholars that used to say that one of the ways to... Uh, stave off to push away the bala, yani the the uh, trials and the, the tests and the missions that, like obviously what we're in at the moment, is increasing upon the salawat of the Prophet So I do think that we need to, um, as a as a practical point, increase the amount of times that we send salawat upon the Prophet every single time that we can think of saying or wanting to do a good act of worship, send salat upon Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Sheikh says, if you think about though, he goes, if you if you actually think about this hadith, about how when they asked the, 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 the companions asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi how do we send salam upon you? Okay. Sheikh says at the top of 311, if you, uh, if you think about this hadith, it doesn't necessarily indicate um, from the Prophet وسلم, that it is a rukan, that this is an absolute pillar of the actual prayer. Because the companions, because they only asked actually, how is the act done? Right? How do we actually do it? And the Prophet وسلم, indicated that. So, Sheikh says that, in, in, in summary, he says that actually, if you think about it, the companions themselves, they were really asking about how to send the salam, not necessarily asking about the legal ruling on whether it is obligatory or rukan or not. And it is more correct technically from the manner, the Arabic and the manner of the way that they asked and the manner that the response was given, that actually this uh, statement of qulu, say, is not a kind of a, uh, the response of command, but rather the response of teaching. So someone asked me, what do you, so, hey, how do you say this? Yeah, or how do you do this? I say, okay, say, whatever. So it's like, for example, someone says, hey, what's the code to enter the, 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 the building? Yeah, and I say, uh, type in 1321. Yep, yeah. so if you type in 1321, I'm just telling you how to type in the code. I've not said it's obligatory for you to type right now this code. Does that make sense? Yep, yeah. so this is what we call the qulu the, the, uh, or the obligation is for irshad wa ta'lim, to guide and to educate. And it is for this reason why the scholars actually differed on the exact ruling of the salawat on the Prophet ﷺ, the Durood Sharif. Is it actually a rukan? So we have uh, three main uh, uh, positions. Okay, let's go into um, 
explaining this. Al-Qawl al-Awwal, the first position, is annaha rukun, that it is a pillar, it is an essential aspect of the prayer, and this is the famous um, and the established kind of uh, position of the Hanbali school, okay? And there is no validity to the prayer without it. If it's not there, the prayer is invalidated. Okay, it's an essential part of the prayer. It's a rukan. The second position, al-qawl al-thani, annaha wajib, that it is obligatory just like the first. Because some folks are asking, really, I'm not really feeling the difference between, you know, some of these acts. Um, is just, the, uh, you know, to say something is obligatory and lifts it all the way to rukan, or is it just make it obligatory? Simple as that. So the second position is that, no, it is wajib, it's not a rukan. And if you forget to do it, if you are not yani, clear, what, so for, uh, how could you forget to do a second tashahud? You actually have, the, because obviously you have to have niyyah, yeah? You have to have the intention. So you'd be sitting in the final tashahud and you're not thinking whatsoever that this is the final tashahud. Even if you go salam alaykum wa rahmatullah at the end, right? And you might say, well, of course, the only way that you can exit the prayer is to do the final tashahud. That's not correct. If you've only done one tashahud and you exit the prayer because you thought that that was the middle tashahud, Ultimately, the ruling is based upon what you believe and what you're thinking, right? So, theoretically, it's possible to actually, you know, theoretically, in practice, it's possible. In practice, obviously, it'd be pretty crazy, but theoretically. So, uh, the, the, so the second position is that the second uh, tashahud, uh, sorry, the, uh, I keep saying tashahud, the uh, salawat upon the Prophet is a uh, obligation, not a, uh, not a, uh, not a rukan. Ignore what I just said. I kept calling it the Shahud al-Akhir. I mean that the Salawat Ibrahimiyyah. You could literally just uh, uh, forget it, okay? And do the Tashahud. And after, Abuduhu wa Rasulu, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Then you're thinking, okay, I've forgotten something here. And then you realize, ah, right, okay. I've forgotten the Salawat Ibrahimiyyah. What do I do now? I'll just go down for sajda sahu and I fix it because it's obligatory and it's not a rukan. So that would be the idea there. Okay. Um, and they, they, and they, the evidence was, with the statement of the Prophet um, say, you know, say it like this, indicates the possibility of it being an obligation, but also the possibility of it being guidance and teaching. وَلَا يُمْكِنْ this is a nice point. He goes that when there's such a strong potential or possibility for this, um, the ruling or the, the, the way that the Prophet ﷺ said, say, with there being such a genuine possibility of it being only an explanation statement as opposed to a command, really can we go all the way and say that no, therefore this is the evidence that it's a rukan? And therefore indicate that a person who doesn't do this, then they um, invalidate their prayer. This is good fiqh, man. Alright? It's, it's, the, it's the right question to ask. Because I want you to know something. Um, one of the really interesting things about the Hanafi school, and a lot of people, you know, cuss the Hanafis day and night because they have no idea what fiqh is and they have no idea about yani, anything, right? But, you know, I never, I always, you know, indicate to myself, or take as an indication the ignorance of someone based upon their respect or disrespect of the Hanafi school. Yeah. And, you know, when you read a lot of Ibn Taymiyyah's works, okay, the one thing that you find is that he has such a huge amount of 
love and respect for Abu Hanifa, despite being someone you know who differs with him, you know, obviously in so many issues and rulings and principles. Okay, principles is the key, right? Obviously, even Taymiyyah loves fiqh and he, you know, is more than happy to go against the obvious meaning of a hadith and is not literalist in any way. However, there's no doubt that he has that special kind of uh, respect for the Hanafi school. And there's, uh, I remember reading back in the day, a PhD study uh, which uh, compared Ibn Taymiyyah's tarjihat. Obviously, Ibn Taymiyyah is very, you know, well known for coming even being humbly of course but coming out of the madhab and making his own uh, ijtihad and, and decisions of course as we expect and uh, as a percentage wise and um, I can't remember the exact percent percent but a huge percent of his own personal opinions uh, I mean a significant percent I mean lie uh, align with the individual opinion of Abu Hanifa rahimahullah rahimahullah so that's just a, a, a side point anyway one of the interesting things about the Hanafis in their fiqh is that they are always trying to be on the side of the student. They're always trying to be on the side of the um, the worshipper. And they try to really live the concept of fiqh. The idea of fiqh, as the major imams of the Salaf used to say, is to make the deen easy for the people. To use the skill and the depth of understanding to deep dive and mine the evidences to try to find options and ways and interpretations that are faithful to the text as well, and also have a very good uh, 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 basis and uh, you know a sound basis, but also um, uh, bring ease, keep options on the table, and. That's what the faqih is, the one who makes the deen easy for the people. He's always able to find some kind of solution in the most difficult circumstances. He's got a scenario and people are not thinking and then he suddenly uses an ayah like this or a hadith like this or, or a principle like this. That's the faqih, the one who deeply understands the religion. And so, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's so many statements praising the fiqh of Abu Hanifa. Uh, uh, the Shafi'i used to say, we are ayalun to Abu Hanifa fil fiqh. We are like... We're dependent. We're like family, like the family dependence uh, to Abu Hanifa in fiqh. We're dependent upon him. He's the, the daddy, basically. Um, and so, you know, his, his skill in this area is, is unsurpassed. And one of the very interesting expressions or consequences of the fiqh of Abu Hanifa is that he's always trying to um, find solutions for the worshipper to validate their worship to protect their worship, to make easier their worship. So in the Hanafi interpretation of the hadith of Al-Musi fi salatihi, the, their interpretation of the hadith of the one who earned it, erred in his prayer, the one that we're using as the basic principle for the obligations of the prayer, the Hanafis, they only derive six arkan, yani essentially, okay? While well, we've gone for 14, right? Essentially. And uh, here, and, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a 12 and there's 13 and there's a few and whatever. And when you read that hadith, you find it very difficult to see how there are only six key things. So, for, for example, the absolute individual uh, 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 essentialness of Surah Al-Fatiha, the Hanafi said that, no, it's not required. Um, uh, just as long as you recite something from the Quran. That's obviously very famous from the Hanafi school, right? And you'd be thinking, how is that possible from this hadith? Okay. And as always says, what did they do? They moved basically as much as possible from that Rukan category to the Wajibad category. There is sense in doing that, all right? Because 
if you mess up in Rukan, you destroy the entire act. You mess up in the wajibat, okay, in the status of obligatory, it's like, you know, it's not, it's like a crime. A crime that has manslaughter or murder charge or a manslaughter charge or it can be at the, the you know, it, it, everything has a threshold. And if you can reduce the threshold of seriousness for the act, that's someone who's on your side. And you will see that the Hanafis throughout their fiqh, when you see in the issues of zakat, when you see the issues of salah, the issue of congregation, the issues of their individual prayer. So if we reduce, like this argument here, I love it the way this, this second uh, statement is being used. They're saying that the position of the uh, Durul Sharif being a rukan, really, are we going to go hardcore? It's like there, there's a reticence of the supporters of the second statement to lift it to the level of rukan because once you've done that, then any mistake in it, it is a catastrophic yani, problem for the prayer. The prayer has to be fixed by the repetition of the Durul Sharif and the Sujood Sahu. If you forgot it entirely, then that prayer is gone, done. If you left the prayer as well, then you realized afterwards, then you know it would need to be prayed again, etc. We'll come to that later. But if I now bring it down to just obligation, I've got more options, I can fix it more easily, I'm more on the side of the person. You know, you'll see, for example, the Hanafis when it comes to the missed uh, prayers, they're much more um, flexible when the Hanafis come to a person who's praying the prayer late, for example, such as during sunrise or during sunset, they are allowing more options for that. Yeah, I'm just saying that they are always on the, you know, I remember in one of the books of uh, Hanafi Fiqh, uh, the author, uh, he said, one of the reasons why we allow people to pray during sunrise, which in principle shouldn't be allowed at all, okay, is because if we were to stop that, then a lot of people would leave praying that prayer. Now, if you just think about it, that was being said back then, yeah? Um, if you think today now that these folks who do wake up very late intentionally and, you know, it's a half prayer, really. It's not a proper prayer, Again, you know, with the intention and, the, you know, I mean, the full shabam, you know, getting up early, respecting it, having qadr, you know, izzat for the prayer and making proper wudu and so on. It's clearly you're not doing that, are you? Yeah, if you're waking up so late regularly. Um, and at the one, on one hand, we don't want to encourage it. On the other hand, we don't want to completely cut it out. Now, if you look at that, okay, um, then you'll see that they said one of the reasons that we allow it, and obviously there's evidence bases as well. You can't use these kind of theories and principles for direct primary evidence. Otherwise, the religion will become a joke. So there's hadith which would indicate that, you know, a person prays one raka'ah, then the prayer is to be prayed. And as long as it's, you know, because by definition, if you prayed one raka'ah in a prohibited time, or you were able to make sajda and stand up, back up, yani, before, sorry, before the prohibited time, then the rest of the prayer in the prohibited time wouldn't be an act of shirk or, or prostration to the devil or whatever, purely because if it was, then you would have started in the prohibited time. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, yani, and this dog, by the way, yeah, is it allowed for me to go out and shoot it yani, and stab it with a knife or something? Because I never have I heard it in the night time like that. Like, what's going on? Honest to God, yani, what the hell is going on? Stupid dog. Like, never in my life have I heard this dog bark in the evening. Like, what's going on? Right. <sighs> You know something? What if? You know something, yeah? 
What if it's seeing something right now? No, no, Jean doesn't have a dog yet. And it's not enjoying the class yet because... And there's something happening, you know that? Maybe it's seeing something from the other world. Yeah, I'm just saying. Okay? You know, obviously, you know, everybody's having their fun on WhatsApp. Why can't we have our own you know, weird theories as well? Um, let, me just, let me just finish this and then I'm going to come back to some of these questions, okay? Because we're into a good thread there. Um, so, but I hope, first of all, I hope that you... I would be nice to know, the dog is affected by 5G. I like that, Zayd. That's good. That's good. That's not bad. That bro, Croydon representing. First joke out of Croydon in ages. So, um, so I just want you to understand. They're saying that, hey, if there's any chance that we could have got this wrong, yeah? If there's any possible... Um, yeah, may say it is. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that, okay? That's why I added that caveat, all right? It's based upon the evidence rather than not. But then there is... Uh, there is a... Um, yeah, and it is a mood as well. You know, when you give a ruling, you also, you know, if I someone says to me, you know, what's the ruling on this? And I say, the ruling is that it is, um, it's okay for you. But listen, man. And then I start going informal. Yep. I start then, you know, trying to explain. And, and, you know, a lot of people will listen to the second part, right? The informal part, the mood, the feel, the explanation. And you'll, you'll take something from that. Yeah, that's my point, right? The follow-up, the mood, the surroundings, these are what we call the furor of the issue. The branches of the issue make, you know, give people some definition as well. Okay. Anyway, um, I just hope that you understand the second point. That if there's a possibility that it can be interpreted in a less intense way. So then we're going to uh, do that. So, okay, let's just do the, the third statement. Al-Qawl uh, al that the third position is that the salat upon the Prophet wasallam is something which is a sunnah. It is not a wajib. And it's not rukan, okay? And this is one of the uh, statements, one of the uh, positions of Imam Ahmed that's narrated from him. I agree, Yusuf. I really think the follow-up is the, is what the people listen to. Ultimately, they get a feel for their for their teachers. What al insan? And so this this position of one of the narrations of Imam of, of Imam Ahmed, and therefore in the Hanbali school as well, one of the lesser narrations is that it is a sunnah act and therefore if a person intentionally leaves Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad the Durul Sharif in the salah then the prayer is valid the evidence which is being used to derive this principle those people who made it obligatory or they made it yani, something which is an absolute rukan uh, okay is is um Definitely indicating an explanation of it, not indication, not indicating the uh, is not indicating a uh, immediate obligation, which is one. Yep, we've already dispensed dispense that. But the second point that they will add this group of third, uh, this third group, okay, is that the asl is bara'u dhimma. Yani the, the the basic principle in life is that we are not obligated to things. And if you're going to obligate and add extra burden upon me, you have to be very, very, you know, sure that you're going to add extra stuff upon me. Does that make sense? That the asal is bara'u dhimma. Okay? The bara'u dhimma means that we are innocent of, or free, or, yani unburdened with legal 
uh, 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 responsibility. So you are going to put something upon me and they're not only going to put it upon me, but you're going to make it super serious, then you better come with the real bombs. Yeah? And you're going to have to come with the proper evidences and absolute undoubted and no possible to interpret in any other way. So with the fact that that's the asl, okay, the basic principle is that I'm free of being obligated to do anything, let alone in an act of salah. Okay? And then add to that that the evidence which is suggesting it is, to be honest, very clear that it could be seen as nothing to do with being obligatory, but rather to do with, as I said, uh, explaining how to do the, 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 act, the act itself. Well, I don't think this is good enough to maybe be a, a pillar or a wajib. And on the top of page 312, Sheikh Uthameen says, Okay, he goes that if there was no uh, other evidence, if there was uh, no other evidence, then frankly, this is the most strongest of the, or the most preponderant of the opinions. Um, uh, if there was no other evidences to indicate the nature of this Durul Sharif, just from this, uh, if you're just depending upon this hadith, this would be the correct interpretation of it from a legal point of view, that the actual act itself is Sunnah. Okay, فَإِنَّهُ لَا يُمْكِنْ It's not possible to invalidate an act of uh, a, a worship and consider it to be corrupt using an evidence which has the possibility to be interpreted as something which is in the, which is obligating something but also guiding and explaining something we're going to invalidate a person's yani, act of, of that Phew, that's hardcore that's a very very good statement for students of knowledge it's a very useful principle that when we are about to you know consider something to be invalid or something to be, you know, very, very serious, then, um, uh, you know, we have to be very careful. And that is why, by the way, okay, uh, folks, just to keep it relevant. Um, and I, I say this, you know, as a, a student of one of the, our teachers, and his name is Sheikh Abdullah bin Yusuf al-Judair, who is, of course, one of the world's leading scholars, right? And, and, and correctly speaking, he's one of the world's leading muhaddithin. And in terms of fiqh, yani, a number of his peers, we're not in a position to be criticizing anything um, you know, of his knowledge. We have the right to differ, of course. Um, his peers uh, do not consider his speciality to be fiqh. Now, what's interesting is that um, there's a lot of discussion around the fiqh of Abdullah Judea. And he has some great points and other people disagree. And yeah, at the end of the day, fiqh is about interpretation, isn't it? Yeah. Now, he gave a fatwa the other day which was so weird, like, you know, we need these fatawa because it just keeps the, the, the academic brains of uh, brain cells alive. In the issue of washing the deceased, okay, uh, a COVID patient, okay, we said the big C, to be honest, yeah, we didn't say that we can't mention it this week, yep, uh, so don't hate, and no wet kippers, please, because I think that we can use yeah, a few points about it, but um, he gave a fatwa the other day, and he said it is obligatory to not wash the body. Okay, he said it's obli. This is last week. Obligatory that to not wash the body. Which means that if you wash the body, you're doing haram, bro. Sheikhi, like That's such an insane statement. Now, you can 
justify that from an ijtihad point of view that, you know, it's dangerous and is this and is that and blah, blah, blah. Okay? And, uh, you know, you can. If you are, uh, uh, you know, interpreting the uh, evidences in the way that you are. But to say that a person, okay, is going to be a sinner for washing the body, right? When the evidence is muhtamal in the first place, is one of the worst displays of fiqh that I have seen for a very long time. What was correct to have said is that if there is a consensus or a level of certainty, this is like, for example, and this is what Akram Nedwi, for example, uh, gave. Uh, 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 by the way, I think that they are both horribly wrong in their conclusion, right? Like very wrong in their conclusion. However, it is a matter of ishtihad. So, you know, but the ishtihad of one of the mashayikh, okay, Hafidahullah, Sheikh Abdullah Jada'a, is insane. And the ishtihad of Sheikh Akram Nadwi, Hafidahullah, is spot on what you expect from the fuqaha. It's based upon basic principles and an understanding, and he created his system. And, um, and I don't want to go too much into that, but I just want you just to appreciate that if a person says that based upon the evidences and uh, from what we can understand, if the PPE is not available, blah, 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 etc., etc., and is dangerous and is true what the, the people are saying, then I, th I think that a person should not uh, do the uh, ghusl, shouldn't do the ghusl, and should go to tayammum, and in the absence of tayammum, then don't do anything. Which is actually what Akram Nadwi's position is, is my position, okay? Except that um, he has not appreciated the science, okay? He has not appreciated the science. The uh, and he's not obviously it's not his area, it's not his speciality, and so we feel very you know uh, forgiving towards Akram Nadwi. There's no doubt about that. But Abdullah Judea, if you look at his usul and his ideas, he went entirely different, which is what we expect from him. Which is why he's such a, a an exciting scholar, such a f fabulous talent. And you're gonna have these moments, okay? His uh, you know his position is uh, correct. Yeah, there's a there's a link there, okay? In fact, you know what? We can use this as a case study. Oh, sugar. Oh, my days. I've just, I've just. Guys, tell me if you can still see me or not. Hamza honestly deserves beats, man. He just made me go straight out of the portal. Am I? Oh, okay. All right. Honestly, Hamza, you could have warned me, man. <laughs> I was like. Oh yeah, good. He's got a, uh, he's got the thick. Uh, so if you are able to open up the link, okay, um, uh, that Hamza just posted, okay, this is good. Should we do this, folks? Actually, I just want to know: should we do this afterwards or should we do it now? Just tell me that. Let's make a, 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 all the people who just commented right there, now or after. So finish off this part and then we come back to this. Or now that we're here, we, okay, right, stop guys, stop, I've seen the, the senior students have spoken and that's the most important part, okay, so we're going to do that afterwards, okay, we'll do it afterwards, the link is there, alright, so, let's continue then, وَالصَّلَاةَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ هِيَ رُكَنْ um, 
And Sheikh says that, and uh, uh, Sheikh says that, are we doing this when, 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 when we say that the salam upon the Prophet itself is a rukan? والصلاه على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فيه اي ان الصلاه على النبي هي الركن دون الصلاه على اله وهذا من الغرائب اوكي ذيرز ان انديكيشن سم اوف ذا سكولرز بيسيكلي يو سي ذات وذ ذات اوكي يو سي ذات وذ ذات اي بين ديفندينغ يو اول ماي لايف اند يو يو بين ميكينغ انيميز فروم ذا رونغ بيبل لوك وات زاف جاست ديد لوك وات زاف جاست ديد ولدان زاف اتس نايس ذات يو اكشلي هاف جويند يعني سم سم يعني سم تيث تو ذا تو ذا جيم سو uh, that uh, Sheikh Uthameen is saying that really what he should have said is that it is an arukan to send salam upon the Prophet Sallallahu and upon his family and not just yani, the, uh, uh, the, the, the Prophet Sallallahu Okay? Um, and how is that? He goes, how is that possible? Yani, that you can indicate only some of the statement is obligatory and other rest of the statement is not. Um, if they say, Sheikh says, that we have made that um, the original part to be the, the essential and then the rest of it is just an act which follows, okay? Then, yani, we say that Islamically from a legal point of view, that which follows something takes the, the following of that which is, being fo- which is being followed. Meaning that the second part then has to be, yeah, we accept that the ruling is based upon that and that's what follows. But then what follows has the same legal position as that. So to send salams upon the Prophet, Allahumma salli Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad, okay, has to be considered to be the same level of uh, legal ruling. And uh, they, uh, 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 it can be argued if the companions themselves, they asked about the prayer on his salah alayhi duna alihi, فَكَانَ الْحُكْمُ لِلصَّلَاةِ عَلَيْهِ دُونَ آلِهِ um, They didn't ask about how do we send salams upon the Prophet's family. We will say to that, that's true, they didn't. But the Prophet explained that in the answer, which indicates that they didn't realize or they didn't appreciate or they knew but they didn't elaborate. And we are meant to interpret that that is actually a point. That is actually a point and that the uh, position of the um, the legal status is that it is to maintain itself. Now, the question is now, what is the class position? Is the class position that it is a sunnah or is that it is a rukan? Now, I want to say to you two things. I want to say to you what my personal position has been for a long time, okay, and what I believe is a safer, correct class position. My personal position is that I never considered it to be a rukan, okay, personally. But I think that definitely it is safer to stick with the, 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 the madhab position. And also it can be argued that Shaykh Uthameen himself is not about saying that this is definitely an act of sunnah to send the Duru Sharif. Yani it should be considered to be when you consider all of the evidences in their totality that this is a rukan and that is the position of the class as well in line with the dominant position of the Hanbali Madhab too. So we're going to stick to the fact that it is a rukan because of the supporting evidences that you remember that we covered back then. This is just about yani, listing them and about yani, the the ordering uh, of them. Okay, so again, make sure that you go back and revise this point. But it was important to uh, at least get an idea of what's going on. Right, now listen quickly, let's just rush through this because the lesson's getting longer, okay, than it should be. And I know that we want to have a look at this Abdullah Jadir Fatwa as well. So the next uh, one, the 13th Rukan, 
is uh, the tartib. We we'll consider it to be a rukan, not wajib or sunnah. Okay, that's the class position and it's the humbly position as well, the position of the madhab. Okay, but there is enough there for us not to be, go too hardcore on it. That's also one of the blessings of fiqh. Yeah, myself personally, I consider it to be a sunnah. All right. But when I say I consider it to be a sunnah, I've never ever treated it in any other way other than a rukan. And at the practical level, I never treated it in any other way other than a rukan. Okay. Right. The 13th rukan then is the order itself. The order, you need to stand and to make ruku'ah and then sujood, etc, etc. And why is that? Because the Prophet ﷺ, the first evidence is that when he taught the one who erred in his prayer, he kept saying, thumma, 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 then you do this, then you do that, then you do this, or do this which indicates a necessity for order. Uh, the second evidence is that the Prophet ﷺ, he continued and stuck to this particular order for all of his life. Um... Never ever did it ever um, uh, uh, change ever in order, and he said, "Pray as as you see me pray." And the third evidence for this is the ayah, which is the apparent meaning of the ayah: "You who believe, make ruku'ah and then sujood." So starting with ruku'ah and then uh, going to sujood, which indicates an order. Okay, and also. And also, he said when he was doing uh, the Umrah and he got to Safa, Abda'u bima bada Allahu bih. This is an interesting argument. It's not the strongest of arguments. He basically said, I begin with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins with. The ayah itself would indicate that therefore the, the ruku' comes before the sujood. Um, uh, um, so he goes and he then he adds a little caveat saying that I'm not saying that obviously all the time that when a well and is used that that indicates order okay because and does not necessarily mean you know in order it's and it's not it's not the same as then then this then that then this and is just you know combining things but sometimes when you look at the other supplementary evidences then you realize that the word and is now being used actually to indicate order so that's an interesting point. Okay, then the final one, The final one is a taslim, a taslim, to say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And the author only mentioned the word a taslim. So, uh, and a taslim, what does that mean? What does the author intend by that? Does he intend by that that? At just to say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah or wa or is it just to say assalam okay assalam assalam yani at-taslim is such a general word it could apply to all of these it could be being seen as saying it twice saying the full assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah just to say assalamu alaikum just to say assalam okay um, and Sheikh says the actual intention by Taslim is what we've described earlier on, obviously last year, when we discovered that in detail, which is to say to the right, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, and to say to the left, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Um, uh, is that yani, what is intended? Because he described that earlier on. Is that what he means here now? Because he's already gone into detail earlier on. And anyway, the this... Uh, this um, 
indicates that it's um, that there's going to be some difference of opinion on this. Yeah. So let's look at the positions of the scholars. Yeah, any difference? And this is the final point, the final two pages. Uh, six was to prostrate on the seven limbs, and then eleven was to to shahud. What were rukun seven, eight, nine, and ten? Did I not often miss them? Um, that's a good question. What did I what did I do? You missed it, yeah. So sixth is the sajda upon the uh, seven point, uh, seven parts. To get back up is then uh, seven, and then to sit is eight, and then to be in a state of tumatniyina is nine. That's what we covered, and then today, then we said that then the last tashahud is the tenth, then to sit for it is the eleventh, to send salam is the twelfth, the um, order is the thirteenth, and then taslim is the fourteenth. Okay, he's, he, he got me there. And remember, of course, when you say tashahud and then to sit for it and you call that two, I mean, it's not disingenuous, but it's, you know, that person's opinion. It can be divided as we explained last week and another person would not divide. That's why I said don't get lost too much in the numbers. All right. So um, what's the position of the Hanbali school with respect to the taslim? Okay, the, the well-known position or the dominant position of the madhab is that both the taslim attaini that they are they are essential rukan in an obligatory prayer in a nafal prayer that is yani the case all the time to say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah both of them at all times it is also said waqil in thaniyata sunnah fi nafal dun al fard that with respect to the fard both of them are obligatory, but if you're praying a sunnah prayer, then the second one is not something which is necessary. It's only a sunnah. So what they're saying, the second position is that in obligatory prayers, salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, both of them have to be said. However, if you're praying a nafal prayer, like a sunnah prayer, non-obligatory prayer, then only the first one is required, the second one is not. Waqil sunnah fil fard wa fil nafal. That it is something which is a sunnah to say both of them in the fard and in the uh uh, um, uh, some even argued that the uh, some even argued that the actual salam itself is not even uh, 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 um, intended that the word salam is not to say assalamu alaikum rahmatullah assalamu alaikum rahmatullah but salam basically means is is, is a, like a metaphor for anything that you say or do with an intention to end the prayer itself so it's not even uh, intended by uh, intrinsically itself okay um, the way that our author himself has used this word at taslim all right that the taslim is also a rukun is the same way that aisha radiallahu anha described it when in the hadith of a Muslim, hadith number 498, Aisha said, anha, taslim, that it is, he used to end the prayer with the taslim. He used to end the prayer with the taslim. Okay? So, فنقول في هذا الحديث كما قلنا في كلام المؤلف هل مراد بالتسليم التسليم المعهود 
أو مطلق التسليم يعني الجنس فيجزي بواحد فيجزي بواحدة يعني so the same question then would apply that we're, we're, we're analyzing the statement of uh, uh, the author is the same way that we should analyze the hadith itself is التسليم the تسليم referring to the whole game and everything that's part of it so so السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله يعني it's referring to it as as المعهود يعني the whole uh, act of worship itself all of its components um, or does it just mean literally التسليم or to just say salam once and and just to say it once will be sufficient Sheikh says, the closer position, يعني, what seems more um, uh, uh, more uh, apparent, is that you say that both of the taslimatain, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, are a rukan, both of them. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam continued upon that, wa we do not see that he... Uh, left out one and you know we saw him vary but we saw him always doing two always doing two it's always called a taslimataini and he said and pray that you um uh, and ruin is asking the question and that's what we're we're talking that's exactly the issue that we are discussing is the rukan just not the first salam yeah this goes back to understanding aisha's statement when she says the taslim is that referring to just one of the taslims and that's it or uh, is it, uh, or do we understand the word taslim to mean the whole show? And if it means the whole show, then what is the whole show? Ah, the Prophet ﷺ, we do not see him ever only say one, but we see him make two. And that is, as Adil is saying, why some of the scholars, they only uh, obligated the first, only obligated one to exit out of the prayer because they understand this hadith as the taslim itself to just mean the taslim, the statement of taslim, and that's it, you're out. And not that you have to bring the whole game. Whereas the, the, the other way to read it, the at-taslim means the, 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 the alif lam here, the definite form, is indicating the entire understood process of how the Prophet ﷺ always used to do it, which we know that he always used to do it on both sides. Um, and then for that reason, the Prophet ﷺ always used to, when he used to give salam on the right, he used to give it on the left. And he would never miss it out, yani either one of the two. And therefore, he's giving a share to those on the right and a share on the, to those to the left. That's an ugly statement. That's not a legal statement, but that's what Sheikh Uthameen said. And that's his position. Okay. Now, um, uh, so we'll come to that in a second. He goes, however, the fuqaha is that nuslat al-janaza. And some of the scholars, okay, some of the scholars they uh, made an exception for the janazah prayer. And they said that لَيْسَ فِيهَا إِلَّا تَسْلِيمُ وَاحِدَ فَقَدْ وَلَمْ يَقُولُ إِنَّ الثَّانِيَ سُنَّةِ They said that only, and this is the well-known position of the Hanbali school, that it's only one, one salam. They didn't say that the second one is sunnah. They just said there's not even a second one. Alright? At least those, correct, yep. Yeah? If you pray behind the Maliki Imam, for example, where he does only one taslim, this is the, the, the question, right? Because that's in the madhab, only one is the one to exit the prayer. What would you do? All right, we'll come to that in a second. But that's the point that uh, uh, 
us covering this issue and understanding its roots and understanding why the scholar is based upon the evidence. That's the whole reason we study fiqh, right? So that we can understand more and appreciate more the scholars and not be so harsh upon their individual opinions. And then therefore we humble ourselves. That's the whole point of it, right? So um, what's the basis for the Hanabila saying that that's how it is in the prayer? Both of them are required, but in the Janazah prayer, there's only one. Obviously Janazah prayer coming much later. There's only one and the second one's not in, not required. Um, the reason for that is uh, those people who described the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ never mentioned that he did two taslims. And he goes, the evidence why there's only one salam in the Salatul uh, Janazah is the Prophet ﷺ never gave more than one janazah. There's no hadith, one, one salam, sorry. There's no hadith which indicates in the descriptions of the Prophet ﷺ's janazah prayer that he did the second one, which makes sense, Shaykh Uthameen says, because the whole prayer itself is like a summary prayer, easygoing prayer, one which doesn't mess about, yani, is lighted, is, has been made light, gathered the people yani, in a working day, in the middle of the day, hey, gather together, let's quickly pray upon the people, let's make it as easy and stress-free as possible, don't even have to make it in the masjid, should be outside, you know, we're praying it right now, all in the graveyard itself, people just turn up, that's it. Uh, uh, no need to make ruku or sujood and this and that, whatever. So the nature of the prayer, even when you start, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين and not the normal سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك in the Hanafi school, the irony, uh, the irony is that the Hanafis they don't even consider it to be a prayer in the first place, which I find you know very uh, interesting. All right, um, they said that what kind of prayer is it that you know you stand up and whatever and. That's why they don't require Fatiha, right? That's why you don't, you don't require Fatiha in the actual prayer, uh, Salatul Janazah. According to the Hanafis, the first takbir, Allahu Akbar, is Subhanakallahu wa bihamdika wa tabaraka smoka wa ta'ala jadduka wa la ilaha ghayruk. And then Allahu Akbar, and Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad, and so on and so forth. And uh, there is a, 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 a discussion to be had with them. Why is it that you require wudu, as Majid is asking? And uh, but anyway, uh, you know that's their position. I'm just saying from a from a from a from a a technique from a, a theoretical point of view, they also see the prayer as a very light kind of you know pseudo prayer, not a proper prayer at all. Now we all agree on that. It's a pseudo prayer. It's a prayer, but it's a very very specific individual one. Difficult to make analogies from one to the other, which is why the scholars differ. Do you make uh, uh, do you raise your hands in it or not? Which is again we'll come to later on. Do you base with the raising of the hands in the janazah prayer? Based upon how you understand the normal prayer, is it allowed to make yani qiyas? Is there not qiyas al fariq? Can you make an analogy between the two when they're so different in principle, or are they still the same thing? They're still prayers, aren't they? So you should be able to make analogy and carry on. So it's a very interesting point. Anyway, so the Sheikh says that we don't have any takbir moving. We don't this. We don't do that. Blah 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 blah. And uh, I've just realized that uh, Rashida is. Is uh, is uh, probably about one hour behind in a lesson because she's saying we can see you, and answering a question. So, um, I, I think Rashida needs to. Uh, well, she's gonna. She's not seeing this live, is she? Right. <laughs> and so, when it comes one hour into the lesson and she sees me speaking to her, she will realize that basically she pressed play on the video as opposed to press live, yani on the video, which is quite funny actually. But uh, you know, uh, never mind. Eh? Um, 
That's a good point, Mesa, actually. She should be able to see the comments. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Shaz, what do you say about that? If someone is watching the video and hearing it and responding, okay, um, then then she would say, but if she was looking at the comments, the comments would be live, right? The comments would be live and she would say, oh, right, I'm in the wrong place. Anyway, um, you've got to be joking, Zenit. You're having a laugh, my ukhti, my sister. You're having a laugh. We're only going to cover whatever is available at the time. And at this moment, it is not in my thingy. Uh, the truth is, now the comments are saved, Shaz, but are the comments live? So if a person comes, uh, Zina, to be honest, if I'm going to be honest, you want me to be honest? Uh, I, don't want to, I didn't want to say this, but um, I wanted to prepare more notes for this, and I didn't. Okay? The reason for that is that we got back late from doing a ghusl, and we didn't get any sleep. Um from the night before and so therefore it was um, a bit yani, rushed that's the honest truth I would normally give the full madahib full more details because these are some interesting points and I would like to have made a talking point out of this uh, anyway so uh, in the janazah prayer so Mesa if you're saying the comments are live then if she looks at the comments and she sees, and she sees that we're, we're speaking about uh, her then she should then respond in real time even if the video is not that's what Mesa is saying, Shazad, okay? Uh, tell me if that's true or not. But I mean, you know, she's saying it is, and that's it. So, um, now the question is, the question is, um, the, you shave to do two things. See, I see that, and I'm all I'm thinking is about masks. You see, when I see the word shave, I'm starting to go into a psychological breakdown. I'm thinking of fit testing and masking and whatever, whatnot. If I don't find a hood yet, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Anyway, so وَقَوْلُهُ Um When the author says the taslim is a rukan, does he mean Aslam alaykum or labud min taslim al-kamil or do you need to say Aslam alaykum wa rahmatullah? So the answer according to the madhab أَنَّهُ لَا يَكْتَفِي بِقَوْلِهِ Aslam alaykum يعني لَوَا اتَّصَرَ عَلَيْهِ لَمْ يُجْزِئَ Okay, that if a person just said Aslam alaykum then that would not be sufficient. يعني the humbly school is going all the way. They're saying you got to do two and not only do you have to do the two, you have to say Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Okay? Now there's a discussion in the madhab itself of whether you have to physically turn the body as well or the head as well. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Yani, is it sufficient to say Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah? Is it the statement or is it the actual movement to the side? And there's some, as I said, there's some discussion. Uh, but put that to the side now. Do you need to say Assalamu alaikum? Rahmatullah, or is it enough to say Aslam alaykum? Some said that it's enough, and some said that you need to say the full thing. Sheikh Uthameen says that you know, uh, 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 if a person says something, then the rest of it is just to follow. The rest of it is like yani, the dessert, the real meal, yani, the three piece in the soda is Aslam alaykum. The rest, yani, dessert is what wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I have to say, myself personally, that's my position. The class position is that assalamu alaikum is sufficient. And that's the position of a number of scholars, by the way, a number of the scholars. And um, uh, so, anyway, in this particular position, in, in this particular, and uh, by the way, uh, some of the tahqiq is going to come a little bit later, all right, uh, um, uh, on this that I'm going to add, um, not in this lesson, but in a few lessons' time when we go back to this. Uh, which Sheikh is going to speak about these but in principle in terms of the Arkan and the Hanbali school there are 14 okay 
in terms of the, uh, these are the 14 that we just covered and in and I will review these again and in the uh, uh, this is good what Awais just said he goes hold on before we said that which follows takes on the same ruling with regards to the rule then why would we differ here right where is the consistency if we're saying assalamu alaikum assalamu Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad and he didn't say Ali Muhammad but we're going to give it the same ruling why are we now differing so the Hanbalis themselves okay they only said that it is obligatory for the first part okay and it would indeed it's to be assumed from them that they don't mean that to send salam upon the Prophet Sallallahu family is uh, is obligatory we'd say that if one thing is said then the rest of it yani should should uh, follow um, as well because the Prophet ﷺ explained it. However, always when the Prophet ﷺ explained the salam, he did not always say Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. We have in other hadith Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Then we have Assalamu alaikum. We have authentic narrations that have just Assalamu alaikum. And that is one of the reasons why the muhaqqeen or the salaf, if you like, they are uh, the salafis, I should say. Yani they are, and especially those like Sheikh Al-Albani, who obviously is not our source for fiqh, but yani he makes a valid point that uh, if the hadith is authentic without the addition of wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, as I think you've understood, then it cannot be then considered to be that which follows. And anyway, so my position is Assalamu alaikum is sufficient. And uh, however, the position of the madhab, uh, no doubt as a practice should be practiced. Yani the Prophet always doing two. So stick to two and Assalamu alaikum rahmatullah is the asal. Okay, is the asal and should be maintained. Now, what I want to do, folks, is to go and answer some of the questions because there are some good questions there in the thingy. All right, so I'm going to come down and find some of those questions. And it's good that I am in control, which I like. Right. Um, Mesa said, no. Yeah, this is the first question. No, no, here we are. Okay. Harris basically said, fixing the prayer with the sajda for forgetfulness and the argument that the Prophet ﷺ did this when he forgot the shahud in the second rak'ah. It is almost impossible to me. Oh, no, I avoided that now. Adil said, I went in Jamaat, you sit guy, where the Imam stood up instead of sitting and then they did the sajda of sahu at the end. Do we trust that the Imam, that the imam does the tashahud when he got up and we assume that he realized the mistake? Absolutely. When he stood up instead of sitting down and did sajda, he did that knowing and he did that because he did the sajda afterwards because um, he knew that I've missed it out and the way you fix out and the way that you fix an obligatory action is to do exactly that. Okay? Is it wajib to do sajda sahu? The answer that Adina asks, the answer is yes, absolutely obligatory. Okay? Absolutely obligatory to do that. Um, Zaf says, which madhab is the polar opposite of the Hanafis? Yani, you know, that they're not on the side of the worship, worship about the side of the law. That's never going to happen and no one's going to ever be wanting to take that claim, yeah? Because the whole point of fiqh is to make it easy. And uh, it's not so neat and convenient like that. I don't think that you do find anything. You know, you just find little kind of indications. Like the, the Shafi'is are hardcore on the prayer. They really have got a lot of game in the prayer. And there's pretty much an agreement of the fuqaha that, you know, if you want to learn a prayer, really look at what the Shafi'is were up. They were like, you know, but then that's such an insult to the rest. Yeah? Is that possible that others don't focus on the prayer? The you know, so it's difficult. This is a very subjective kind of statement. So I wouldn't take anything too seriously. These are more for just like, you know, musings and contentions and that kind of thing. Um, Away says, that, am I right in saying that the Ahnaf also say 
that they take more importance to the wording to a contract as opposed to the intention. Okay, hence we have many packs as taxi drivers, the Mabani and the Ma'ani, but we'll come to that. Okay, but is it debatable that the contemporary Ahnaf mostly are the complete opposite to the Asal Ahnaf? Listen, Rehan, have you ever watched Sheikh Kehlan's presentation on the Hanafi school? Okay, um, if you have, it's a four part series, okay, which uh, I don't know where it is, but uh, um, that's the answer to your question. It is very and they are completely polar. That's a polar opposite. The modern Hanafi school presented by not just the Diobandis, but just generally, okay, uh, in their fiqh compared to Abu Hanifa, for miles apart. But then the Diobandis can't be compl- uh, can't be blamed for that. That happened, yani after within within a couple of hundred years, it could be argued of the Hanafi school development or Hanafi school. It can also be argued that his own students started to different differ differ, uh, differ with their with their teacher so much. Yeah, not so much, but still differ. Um, Sumero, what comes first when deriving rulings? Making things easy and positing an argument accordingly or how things were understood and actioned upon by the companions understanding what the Prophet ﷺ said? Given that the same hadith gives six wajibat for the ahnaf and a lot more for the hanabila. So absolutely, not a single person, as I emphasized when I was explaining it, should think that this is a big, this is an asal principle to make easy. That's not the primary goal. The primary goal is the evidence, the text. Nothing overcomes the text. But when the text is giving you space, yeah, if the te- text is on your side and it's kind of indicating some flexibility, then we put the flexibility in. So an example of this is what I wrote this morning or last night or whatever it was about the issue of the doctors. In fact, you know what, if we've got time, we'll come back to that, you know, about playing God, about making a decision about should they pass or not. If someone can remind me, I'll, I'll, I'll give the, the uh, example. Yes, Mesa, if we don't let people pray during the sunrise, but, you know, it's like, uh, it, it, are they sinful or not? The issue about praying in the sunrise uh, or the, the thingy, is it a haram act, but that's just valid? Or is it a valid act and it is uh, not haram? There's a difference between something being haram and valid. Right. So, for example, if I fast, I give this example of, as you know, if you fast and don't pray, the act of the fast is valid as long as you don't think person's kafir for not praying. But he sinned all day and he got haram all day by not praying. So we have to separate a haram from a uh, invalid uh, uh, point. Okay. Um, when giving a ruling and arguing a, st- a stance. Is there a danger of projecting one's own capabilities, personal experience within that, i.e. when making things easy for the people? How do you counter that to make it as objective as possible? This, of course, is the biggest problem that we, uh, that, that we, meaning all scholars giving any ruling, are always going to be uh, uh, struggling with. Because it's their, weak, it's their strongest point and it's the weakest point. Because it's your experiences that allow you to think outside the box and to think of how this issue should be in real life and whether the spirit of the law is to be uh, taken or the letter of the law. And that's only possible, of course, if the letter of the law is indicating that kind of space, right? If there's, there's evidences that would indicate some flexibility. You can't just create flexibility into a situation. You can't just create... And that's why, that's why whenever we see people saying there's a durura, there's a durura, this is not fiqh. This is not fiqh. Yani, you know, just to pray that the, 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 you know, it's allowed because there's a, a darura. Everything is allowed if there's a darura. Do you know what I mean? This is not making deen easy. I mean, of, technically, of course it is. But I mean, you know, I'm, I'm saying that easy from its principle, even easy from its base, yani, as opposed to just playing the necessity card. I hope that that point makes sense. It's a nuance which I think is important. 
uh, that it's not exact. You're not doing no scholarship a favor by saying it's a necessity. We definitely want to check your claim of necessity that it is really any life or death situation, but that's not exactly any showing deep understanding. Those who have deep understanding are looking at the evidences and seeing within the evidences themselves some flexibility. Now, if you are seeing that because you've got game, because you've got mad skills, that's your strength and your weakness because it could make you too, too subjective. And too much subjectivity is very dangerous because then it just becomes about you, a more narcissistic kind of expression of fiqh as opposed to an objective one which is based upon evidences. Now, we don't judge the intentions of the scholars. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said that the one who gets it right gets one reward and the one who gets it wrong, the one who gets it wrong gets one reward, the one who gets it right gets it two rewards. Because we're assuming automatically the intention is pure and the person's trying their best and they're not yani, just trying to express or, or impress their own opinion upon the masses, but actually genuinely trying to find a solution and, 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 and express what they consider to be the truth. But the scholars will differ and that differing is the mercy and that differing is the is the downfall as well. Um, can you explain the Qunut al-Nawazil or the Qunut al-Nazil I should be more correctly, Dina? Um, no, you don't say Allah Mahdini fi man hadayt in the Qunut al-Nazila uh, in principle, okay? You do not say that in principle because the Qunut al-Nazila is not about really you but it's about yani, attacking uh, the issue, the person, the group, the curse, the, the fight, the war. And it's not about the general dua of oneself. You can say actually anything in the Qunut al-Nazila. So um, it's not like it's haram, but the spirit of the Qunut al-Nazila is to focus on the problem, not to focus on the issue. To say, Allahumma ghafir lana warhamna, Allahumma ghafir lana warhamna, Allahumma ghafir lana warhamna, Allahumma ghafir lana warhamna, uh, uh, to, to, to link the state of plague or war or, or catastrophe to your sin is something different. And saying, oh Allah, forgive us, oh Allah, have mercy upon us, that's something which is not. But Allah Mahdina fi man hadayt wa'afina fi man afayt is a, like a normal dua, and a no, you know, so I, I hope that it makes sense. Right. Um, yeah, so I want to say, I think I just said that. Um, Correct. One of the brothers who leads some of the prayers at one of the places I pray always concludes the prayer with Salaam Alaikum only to the right side. And that's because they are following the hadith literally. Okay? Literally. And there are hadith which would indicate that. We also took a few years back that saying it full to the right and then just two parts to the left. I don't quite understand what that means. What two parts? Now here's a question the Marina asks. Okay, If you pray behind a Maliki Imam where he only does one Taslim, is it obligatory for you to complete the second Taslim if you hold the opinion that the full Taslim attained is the Rukan? Now this is a difficult question because in principle the answer is yes because that is what you believe. But then on the other side the Hadith states that it is, it is the Imam has been placed to be followed. A number of scholars commented on this and said that if you are able to do actions which do not go against the actions of the Imam, then you must then do that which is required. So for example, the statement of Fatiha. If you're praying behind an Imam and you're a Hanafi, you don't recite Fatiha. Okay? And if the Imam is Hanafi himself, then you know you're you, you know you're praying in a in a mosque in a congregation behind an Imam who doesn't believe that the Fatiha is required in a Dhuhr prayer in congregation by you behind. He has to but by you behind. Now, if you're anyone from the other madahib, you know that you have to say the Fatiha, absolutely without a shadow of a doubt. Now, if someone says, no, you shouldn't behind, you know, because you're going against the Imam. How am I going against the Imam? Imam, imam has no idea what I'm saying, what I'm doing. It doesn't matter whether I say or not or whatever. So here you must then recite the Fatiha. Here you must yani, give the Salam because the second Salam, because the second Salam will not affect the prayer in any uh, way. Right, Shahid said, 
uh, when saying the taslim, do we say the taslim at the same time whilst we turn our heads towards the right shoulder and then the left? Yeah, we, we, we covered that in detail, Shahid. Yeah, go back to the uh, section. But the answer is yes. You do not yani, do these empty acts. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. This is not right. It's always yani, as throughout, flowing throughout the, the, uh, the act um, itself. And yeah, the Janazah prayer really has a lot of uh, uh, difference. Um, right, 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 right. Where are we now? Am I at the top? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm at the top. Um, with respect to moving head side side, do we do so at the beginning of salah during qadqamah to salah? Qadqamah to salah? No, there's no moving of the head during qadqamah to salah in the iqamah. None at all. Is a taslim one of the things that we can change to keep the salah fresh? Hadith asks, and I absolutely believe that. Okay, this is genuinely listen. You guys know clearly that I am not, you know, going to be blood bound to one particular um, uh, madhab ever, okay, ever. And the reason for that is because um, uh, I don't think that it's the future for people. I don't think it was a future even before the people. I think it was a tool for people, kids at the beginning, to get themselves, you know, started, right. And uh, get their confidence up. Obviously, now we, because we don't study it Islamically or schools or proper, so we're learning the school level in our adulthood. And in our adulthood, we need more than just the basics. We need yani, the ability to be able to activate and keep our hearts and minds fresh during the classes. So that has to happen by uh, one of the great ways of that happening is the flexibility in hadith. And so, if you know the Prophet ﷺ said, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And you'd say to yourself, okay, I'm a Hanafi, but in a Hanafi school, we only say, Assalamu alaikum rahmatullah. And you know there, clear as the sun, it says, Assalamu alaikum rahmatullah wa barakatuh. There's not, an, uh, there's not an explanation for it to be abrogated or for it to be weak or for it to be whatever, whatnot. So what basis are you going to then, yeah, and you know, uh, not say it. And saying it freshens your mind up, you're out of the zone, you feel excited when you say it, something new, something different. So 100%, yeah, and we need to, uh, uh, you know, need to do that, keeping it fresh. All right. Uh, um, uh, I, I I prefer Shahid that one avoids reciting from the Musaf in Ramadan, but I think this year to ensure that people pray, I think there'll be space for that. Okay, I think that this year with people not going to be in Mesa, obviously, someone told the Mesa's grandmother that Ramadan was cancelled. Yeah, uh, that was the Egyptian headline, but they said public gatherings. Of course, in Ramadan, how is it cancelled? Um, by the way. Uh, uh, there are people who are asking, and I am going to write something about this. A lot of questions coming in about fasting and wearing the masks uh, for healthcare staff because it is very hot, very humid. You become fatigued. The basic principle is that it is obligatory to fast. There is no basic ruling from the beginning that you don't um, fast. Yeah. However, if a person, uh, so a person starts off the day fasting, if they start to feel weak and tired, then this is the, the ruling of a, a sick person. Then they're allowed to break that fast. They'll make that fast up. And if that is the, the state which continues the next day and the next day, then they are permitted to then not fast and make those fasts up later. That is, Yanni, uh, my, my position. I think that's the evidence of, uh, that's, that, that's the position of all the scholars. Yanni, that if a, a person has to attempt to make the fast, and it has to be a real, I can't continue, I'm, I'm busy, I'm dizzy, I'm about to hurt someone. Um, uh, obviously, uh, discomfort and difficulty is on a scale, yeah? And it's got to be a real threat to the person, and it can't just be theory, uh, which is why we allow those um, 
uh, that's when we speak about those who are breastfeeding or those who are in uh, um, in full term or near full term or whatever and whatnot. You just don't say to them, you don't need to fast. That's just not right. They should see how they go. Many of our women have no problem with that whatsoever and others really do. You can't just say, yeah, yeah. No, you've got to say, all right, let's check it out. Oh, that was, that was bad. Okay. And uh, then that's it. So the same for the working, if the, it does get any comeback. So Ramadan continues, everybody's going to fast, whatever the situation is. And inshallah, should be fine. And for those that need to, um, you know, um, uh, compensate, uh, sorry, those who need to uh, have plans in place to uh, do their Qiyamul uh, Layl at home, which is the correct phrase, of course, Taraweeh is not the original phrase, then I think if they can, um, then I think they can read from the Mus'haf. I think that's okay. Uh, in because it's a nafal prayer as well, and a little bit uh, flexible, a little bit flexible. Um, right, Sadia, I'll speak to Shaz about that. Okay. Um, always come on, man. How would you keep this love fresh with a tasleem at the end? Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum wa which is you know to different, different to different uh, to differ on. Uh, um, yeah, so anyway, Salma, we will say Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Okay? And ideally, if you just stick to a teacher, that's the safest way, okay, of not yani, losing, of not becoming fatwa shopping. Just stick to a teacher. Right, let's do these two scenarios, okay? Let's no more, no more questions now, please, okay? Oh, that's correct. If you haven't registered for uh, Protect This House, you've only got a few hours to do so, and then you can watch and use that for the rest of the year or whatever, whatnot. Everybody on LP should be part of uh, uh, the online PTH, in my opinion, okay, it is different to the on-site experience. There is extra bonus material just for the bonuses, by the way. Uh, like for example, if you remember, completely, yeah, type packers shouldn't yani, be missing out. I wanted to write about that. This is the time we increase our uh, yeah, it's lifetime access when you get the videos. This is when you increase your subscriptions and support uh, of Islamic education institutions, but also your own. Like I've renewed my um, I've renewed my subscription with some academic journals now, whereas obviously it's a cost that I need to think about. You know, everybody's finance is taking a hit, contracts are out, down, blah, 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 everybody and it is whatever, everyone's thinking, where did they save? You look at the, uh, Solange was in the live audience, I think she's, you know, you'll get a good dose of Solange throughout the class, okay? She asks all the difficult questions. Um, the uh, uh, so I've increased my subscriptions actually to some of the um, uh, uh, what was the thing the um, academic journals and they've served me very very well this is why I'm so so disappointed in um, uh, Mesa can you put the link up for the PTH class please uh, that's why I'm so disappointed in the fatawa from Sheikh Akram and uh, Sheikh Abdullah that's the um uh they don't check the science it's just so disappointing right uh shahid it's not a cheeky question uh are you able to share the account it, I, that's not permissible you're not able to share the, the a purchase is for a house yeah a purchase is you know for the family and everyone and so on and so forth that, that's watching in a house the sharing of a, a person's a username and password to, to access it I don't think it's permissible because that's you know, the understood terms and conditions if, if, if a person allowed it in their terms and I know that for a fact obviously because they asked me about that um, 
So uh, I don't think that that's uh, something which is that's a good question. That so anyway, so I was just saying that you know this is a time we, where we increase our investment in knowledge. I'm not saying that for protect this house. Uh, I'm actually saying it specifically for the New England the Medical Journal, which my time had come, and it was the best investment that I have. Um, is my best investment that I've reinvested in. Okay, so. Let's uh, let's uh, let's let's do these two issues then. On the issue of playing God, um, to be honest, I'd, uh, you know that's a big 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 discussion. Maybe that's something next week. I don't know, but let's let's just, let's just, uh, we're going to get too lost. So I'll just answer this question um, from Rehan. He said you mentioned there's an agreement among scholars in regards to the impermissibility of choosing between who receives treatment based on their wealth status. But how does one come to that conclusion? as the ugly repercussions are that we would not prioritize the need of a country, etc., over another person who potentially has a lesser worth on a state level. Let me make it very clear, that's exactly not what I said. I said that it's not permissible to do it on wealth status, meaning wealth status that is not, that is not relevant to the state of emergency. Absolutely, it's allowed to favor the leader of a state. The leader of a state is the most important person to protect. And that's what we did with Umar radiallahu anhu where he wanted to enter into the land of uh, Amwas and he was sent back, uh, for example. He was you know, given, I, I, was, uh, I was discussing this issue, obviously one of the leading scholars in this country, Mufti Zubair, who's one of my old, very good friends. We always have a lot of debates on this issue. So we had a, a debate on this where he was yeah, challenging my premise and um, we spoke about it for maybe an hour, an hour and a half today. Um, and it was very beneficial and I'm sure that he found it the same. Um, the examples that I gave to him His point basically is that random selection cannot be the asl and, uh, But I think we can speak about that another time But just to answer that question there okay, uh, Absolutely there is a very strong basis for focusing on usufruct yani The usefulness or the value yani Societal value of the person Now wealth and status I'm talking about that at the independent level So if there's me and my neighbour on this street And we are both you know, he's a X and I'm a Y, whatever it is. And the only difference between him is that he earns 10 times what I do. Why the fish should he get? Yeah, I need the thing, right? Um, so, yeah. Um, and absolutely, there are some... I can, you know what it is, the Maryam, though? The problem is, is that you need to be in the game of journals. You know, journals and the language of academia is its own language. And that, that means for scholars as well. Although scholars should obviously have a much greater propensity to understand it properly, Yeah. Um, understand journals easier, but clinical reading that, yeah, there you go, flip a neck, Mariam. There you know exactly. As an epidemiologist, epidemiologist, you know that how easy it is to misread uh, these uh, these fatawa, uh, these uh, these uh, these positions. I, just because you're a scholar doesn't mean that you have uh, game. Anyway, anyway, let's look at what Sheikh uh, uh, Abdullah says. Okay, so I've got it up here in uh, in English. Okay. Um, we're going to read it out, okay? Samid, yani, your stuff, there's not a human on the planet that understands your stuff, yani, astrophysics and the genetics. And what's the flipping thing called? The, the bloody CERN, 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 CERN in Swiss. Remember? That's where Samid works. So, the harms of the coronavirus, blah, 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 blah. It is well established amongst jurists that the ritual ghusl of the deceased is the default rule. The default rule. However, scholars differed as whether this is an obligation or not, with the majority adopting that it is. Okay, and this is because the Prophet ﷺ said 
to uh, about the the the, the um, washing of Zainab, wash her, and then a kafan, make kafan three times, five times, or seven times. So, um, all, uh, uh, so that's Abdullah Sheikh Abdullah Judah. He he depends upon that in explanation. He goes. They also rely on the story of the man who was crushed to death by his camel during Hajj. Um, and the authentic reports concerning the ghusl can accommodate both views, but neither of them can be used to conclusively determine whether ghusl is an obligation or simply a recommendation. This has resulted in a universal practice across Muslim cultures to wash the deceased. That was a little bit of whitewashing. I, you know, I've got no problem about that. Okay. Um, uh, that, uh, you know, he's basically, there, are, uh, there is a consensus of the vast, no, well, it's the position of the absolute vast majority of scholars, all the madhahib and whatever, that it is an obligation to make ghusl. And there are some fuqaha amongst, uh, and actually he says that. He goes, which was the view of several Maliki jurists, it is well known that no sin is occurred by avoiding the sunnah. What he's basically saying is that there are some of the Malikis that consider the ghusl to be uh, sunnah. That's not good enough, frankly. But I mean, you know, his, so his point, Yani, a lack of scholar would would not ever only be based upon his interpretation of the threat level. Yeah, he knows that he does not have that would be the goal to go and say that would be a shocker. So he basically based his final legal ruling on this on the on the foundation that legally it's not obligatory anyway. You get what I'm saying? All right. So that's always a safe place to start. Always deal with the evidences first, then uh, start applying your your subjective uh, uh, position. So what did he say? He then says, as for performing tayammum, then tayammum is a substitute. Uh, you know, that's fine. And he goes, this is in normal circumstances, but not in abnormal circumstances. So in abnormal, we know blah, 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 that, you know, there are different things. So what the sheikh then basically says, he then uh, says that there appear, look at this, look at this statement. There appears to be a widespread agreement issued by the medical specialists involved, insisting that one ought to avoid the washing and the tayammum of the deceased, and that the deceased ought to be buried in a body bag without any further interference. This is because it is safer and a contagion measure for those involved in burial preparations. At the very minimum, it saves against the excessive measures required to sterilize the place where the body is washed between each burial. These are two separate points that are being made. Let's investigate them. The first one, he says, is that there's a widespread agreement by medical specialists, okay, um, that, that one should avoid the washing. Now, that widespread agreement, okay, is from those who do not see any value in washing the body, who do not see any value in ritual washing of the body. And so for them, of course, they would see that. Now, the issue of risk is something which is based upon um, uh, you know the, the, the idea of danger or what's yani, a threat is based upon actual uh, uh, definable risk and the shocking thing is is that all actually of the international authorities in fact I have not yet come across a medical specialist or a pathologist infection control disease specialist the the and I, you guys have already seen me speak about this. Neither the control for diseases, the center, etc., blah blah blah. All of the 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 you know let alone public health thing and then forget NHS, forget the any the European Center for Disease, Disease Control. Yeah, uh, all the WHO itself have said that um, the body can be washed 
as long as you don't move it a lot, as long as you wear PPE and so on and so forth. Yani these are people who don't even consider the need for ritual ablution saying that it's possible for that to happen. So it's, it's really difficult to see how a scholar makes that statement when it's so patently wrong, patently inaccurate according to science. By the way, I haven't even gone full in. I haven't gone full in. You guys are my students. I'll speak very uh, openly to you. Obviously, I've been doing the ghusls. Um, one of the, 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 you know, it's not just a difficult thing to do emotionally or whatever, but physically you've got to, you know, um, uh, you, you're dealing with things, seeing things that you don't like, you know, people get squeamish, you know, you see blood wounds, you, you can, you can, you know, you do need to have your wits around you, uh, but also dealing with uh, dirt and feces, okay? Now there's a big fear of feces. I mean, a natural, nobody likes feces, okay? Um, it's very interesting in this country, you know that it's required by law to pick up your, you have a bag and you pick up the feces, right? If your dog uh, defecates in the street, you have to pick it up and then you put it into, whether you use a scoop or whether you use your hand with the bag, but you've got to do it, all right? Now, um, I think this is, uh, I think this is very, very good. That's so good, right? And a person's got to think, right, that, um, you know, how we clean the babies and how we clean nappies and whatever, whatnot. Uh, 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 this idea that we go, uh, you know, that's fine to have yani karaha from it, but to the extent where you don't touch it or whatever, whatnot. So, for example, a normal ghusl, in a normal ghusl, you have to clean the private parts. It's not, there were no sprays and things like that, you know, uh, before. So they would wrap their hands in a cloth. They would manipulate the, 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 the stomach, uh, yani gently, to remove as much as possible because you've got to understand upon rigor mortis when a person passes away the body freezes up muscles yani, you know stop working the sphincter muscle of the anus for example allows then you know a person basically becomes incontinent right and if you just very lazily just pour water over a person and then stick them in the kefen they're going to defecate into the, the, the yani. eventually things are going to come out and so uh, now, there's no way to stop that entirely, but from time of death until you are washing, there's enough hours, okay, about, um, uh, uh, there's enough time for uh, the, uh, uh, you know, feces and everything to come out. Now, uh, with the, uh, with the uh, 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 pressing of the stomach and the manipulation and then using the cloth, we physically actually, uh, uh, without too much and you're playing around and going with the private parts, but we try to clean as much as possible. Okay, now that is a massive no-no in the guidelines to um, in the Islamic guidelines, right? In the Islamic guidelines, the MBC guidelines, for example, National Burial Council guidelines to doing ghusl of a COVID victim. Like when you saw when I did the video, um, um, I didn't, you know, indicate. Uh, uh, the, the touching of feces and there are people out there that don't want to go near feces anyway I just want to know what do they do in a normal one I get the feeling that a lot of people are, are, are not doing the ghusl of, their, of the deceased especially if it's not a beloved one properly and I find that just reprehensible okay and if the reason for that is because of our uh, what's the man pack word What's the pack word when you go, yeah, what's the word? Karat? Not karat. My favorite pack word, man. Come on, what was the word? 
سكويمشنس يعني ذا اوردو وورد فور كراكا كراكا Not maybe all these words are dartok and whatever whatnot. It's karahat, karahat, kabra, no kabra. Is it karahat? Is it not karahat? Do you not have karahat? I've got karahat of that. No, something like that, man. Nafrat, nafrat. That's it. Nafrat, nafrat. Okay. Uh, is that hitting the, 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 the thing? Does that make sense? Nafrat? If I say nafrat, if I have a nafrat from the fe uh, feces, yeah? Oh, really? Yeah? Nafrat is hatred. Isn't okay, then I've got that wrong then. Is it that strong? I thought like something turns you off. Something really turns you off. Isn't it nafrat? Yeah, a disgust, Yani, a disgust as opposed to hatred, hardcore. Do you know what I mean? يعني يا عاف اي يا نفرت عفوا نفرت نايم نفرت از كراهت نفرت يا سو اني كراهت ا يو نو ذس تو تو ذا فيسيز شود نوت ا دومينيت ذا ذا رايت اوف ذس بيرسون اوكي رايت ام جوينغ ويز سميد بيكوز هيز ا بروبر باك باي ذا واي سو غين ام داون ويز ذات اوكي Because he's a proper, proper pack. All right. Samid is bona fide, born in Pakistan. He's the one. Okay. And Dr. Ab is not here. And, you know, he's chutti from the class, by the way. Dr. Ab is chutti, chutti from the class. And he, he doesn't come, na salam, na dua, nothing. Okay. And Usman, the same. By the way, these people, they're not asal people, by the way. They're asal people in the classes. They're coming for their own little bit of a. But when it comes to the proper students online, like I said to you, In our class, when they're in front of us, there's like four or five of Asal students. Suleiman, Jiva, Yani, here and there. The ones that actually, you know what I mean? The rest just come for the chocolate. Absolutely. Anyway, so I just want to say to you that, you know, there's people who have nafrat. I have to tell you right now that I don't have that nafrat. Yani, for me, it's just, you know, for me, it's what makes the plants go great, right? It's something you stick on the thing, you go out there and, you know, Uh, I just I think it's very important for Muslims to have a balance between what should have a nafrat and karahat towards and being very uh, more professional towards yeah being functional towards yeah now um, why am I saying that um, I'm saying that because um, I've I I have lift I have taken uh, fee listen this is not about uh, 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 let me just make it clear. Um, within a number of ghusls uh, a number and I'm not yani, exposing uh, sins because you've got to be careful about what you describe and what you see everyone is going to have uh, feces that's, 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 that, it's very important that is, that's why I'm saying I'm not saying it's in public I'm saying it to you guys okay because you lot should be training yourselves up on that when you watch that video you should be watching it with a lot of focus and thinking to yourself okay when we come to that in this section we're going to be covering it in more detail you've got to be able to you know teach others and you know get rid of nafrat from your mind and so on And you will need to handle the feces. Now, in this current crisis, the focus on the from the uh, um, 
the focus from the uh, medical bodies, medical authorities, is that bodily fluids, you've got to be careful not to touch the bodily fluids. Now, ironically, right, where's Maryam gone, man? Maryam, are you there? Man, I get so excited when I see an academic and a specialist, right? Bodily fluids is a common, usual way of transmission. This particular condition, all right, SARS-CoV-2, SARS-CoV-2, coronavirus 2, has in the in the, uh, uh, the from the epidemiology uh, from from an epidemiological uh, angle, and in terms of its spread, is fomites, yani physical droplets which are water-based or encapsulated, and potential respiratory, uh, yani airborne type, whatever. But in terms of uh, uh, viral, the viral load, the infective component which is infecting people is is very uh the studies okay the new england medical journal um uh you know when uh uh, uh you you have virus which goes in um it's attacking the lungs the difference with sars the old one which has a much higher mortality rate yeah it's a proper killer it's a great blessing from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, that sars cov 2 covid 19 virus yeah uh, let's call it SARS-CoV-2, which is its right name, um, has nowhere near that mortality rate. SubhanAllah, it's only like around 1% when you put, add it all together. Yeah? Whereas SARS is something crazy like 20% or 15 or 30. I think MERS is 30, 40%. They're proper killers, they are. SARS-CoV-2 isn't. However, the infectiousness of SARS is minimal compared to this one. And the reason is, is that the viral load is very high up the respiratory tract. It's very present right here. Like right there. So when a person sneezes, it's not like it's coming from deep down. Even though viral load is all the way there, but it's like very much there. Bam, all over the place. Yeah, and it, from the mouth, it's like it's high up. And so when they've been checking the uh, uh, studies on uh, the people that have um, that are infected, and then also after death as well, the viral load. Can you believe, Mariam? I the, uh, I read. Um, the studies of every group that they've checked, none, no virus detected in fecal matter, no virus detected in urine, no virus detected in blood. Basically, your normal bodily fluids. That's a madness, subhanAllah, it's a madness. Yani, um, now, I know that, okay? And ultimately, there's knowledge and then there's confidence. So I was physically picking up the feces, obviously gloves and using things, whatever, I'm putting it directly into thinking now. Now, a Muslim would see that with their, you know, WhatsApp level of medical knowledge, right? And they're saying, what the hell is this, right? I'm saying that the whole reason you're wearing PPE, you complete turnip, is the whole, is the thing is infected. And the reason when you don't wear PPE and you touch these surfaces, that's the reason why you're being told to wash your hands because the virus is on your hands. So this idea of risk is a joke. Scholars have got to understand the concept of risk of infection. Okay, scholars, yeah, and he, you know, obviously Sheikh Abdullah is not speaking about this when I said turnip, I don't mean the, the, the fatwa, I'm talking about the people who think you can't get the virus onto your hands, okay? The reason you are told to wash your hands is because the virus is everywhere, right? It's, it's, it's on surfaces, but it's very little carried in 
that I so my point is is ironically if you are what I want to get to is that if you're watching the dead body the safest part is the feces the safest part is the feces which is the um which is why the first thing and that we do the first thing that we do when we get to the deceased is to close the, the the this is what I do anyway I mean this is not part of the uh, guidelines or whatever per se but I think I mentioned it in the video is to seal the mouth and seal the thingy now there's no breath going in and out it doesn't suddenly just come out but movement if you were to sit the guy up and strike him theoretically there could be stuff coming out that's where the risk would be right because that's where it's sitting it's sitting right here right there so we seal that immediately using gloves and then put a mask on and uh, uh, on the face so that you know even if there's some parts coming out and then there is uh, 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 Abdullah there is there is uh, a possible transmission but the numbers the viral load in the in the cohort uh, the various groups that they've been checking is minimal compared to the respiratory tract yeah so anyway and obviously, we're going to, as Maryam said, we're going to learn a lot more about it. But there's such a difference between, and these are these are SARS viruses. These are coronaviruses, yeah? But there's a massive difference between MERS and SARS and the common flu and this particular one. Anyway, my point is, my point is, is that there is absolute, complete incorrect statements here. That there's widespread agreement. The widespread agreement is that one is allowed to do the washing and the tayammum using PPE. That's what the widespread thingy is. And the next question, which I, I, I like, by the way. By the way, the points that Sheikh uh, 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 Jadeh make means that we cannot make inkar, criticize the fatwa too much for saying that I think that is dangerous and is permissible for you to uh, wipe the body bag or do nothing. Because there is a risk. And the presence of the risk mean that you have the justification to give the fatwa, if that makes sense, right? If that's the case, if that's the case, then we can't then go, but Sheikh didn't say that, right? Sheikh didn't do that. He went and took it to next level. He went from zero to 100. He said that because of this risk, which he didn't even get right, okay, it is haram for you to, uh, to, to wash the body. You can only say haram based upon yaqeen. Because then the reason that would make sense is because it's haram is because it's an act of suicide. It's an act of self-harm. It's intentional uh, mutilation of yourself because there's a definite risk or there's a, sorry, a definite harm. You can't give fatwa like that. That's a basic rule of fiqh. So, uh, and, 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 and you know, he says the risk associated in this instance is significant. It's not. It causes a lot of fear. It does. Absolutely does cause a lot of fear. Is the fear itself a reason enough? The next point is, is the uh, issue of um, the level of sterilization. Now that's true. It's a headache. The question is, is that if the community wants to pay for it and that's what's being done and it's not much different, and it isn't, I, I do it. It's not much different at all, in fact. I'll be honest with you. It's not much different. The extra is whatever. Now, an argument could be made now. If the authorities had said you must wear an FFP3 proper mask and there was an absence of those or a limited number and it had to be chosen, I'd completely support that fatwa. And that it's got to be given to the doctors instead and it's got to be not given to the uh, thingies. Uh, then I'd say, yeah, okay. But that's not the case. You don't even need it. 
you know, like I said, the, the really disappointing part of this fatwa um, uh, is that it's not based upon the science. It's not based upon evidence, that's all. And a big statement was made. Big statement. There's a big difference between this and Akram Nadwi's uh, statement. Anyway, listen, guys, I, I, I kind of rushed that in the end because I just realized that we've been going on for two hours. So I'm sorry for extending uh, this lesson beyond um, what it was. Uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us all. Uh, I just want to make it clear, Shaykh Abdullah Judea is an ayah min ayatillah. All right? And never ever take criticism of a person's fatwa as a criticism of the person. Yani he has many strong points and he has many things to be criticized over as well. Um, but he's a great scholar, the world's, yani from the world's top scholars. Fiqh, I don't think, is his area of expertise and I'm pretty sure that he would uh, he'd uh, say the same. Um, but, uh, oh, you know, I think he'd understand himself in that way. Um, but that was an interesting uh, position. And whoever can safely do it and is feel confident about it. I do, uh, Burhan. I do, uh, I do keep in touch with him. And um, he's a top man. He's a top man. Uh, all right. All right, guys. Jazakumullah khair. Um, I don't think there's anything else that I need to uh, say. I'll see you, inshallah, next week. And we can maybe speak about the fatwa of, uh, of random selection and choosing people based upon their, their uh, merits or whatever it is. Uh, Shaz, what do I do now, man? Do I have to go back to that uh, window? Yeah, eat as much as you want, man. Eat as much as you want. There's no chocolate here, man. All right, I've got it. I'm going to end the stream. Zakmalakhir, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.